Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing, Sam? I'm pretty good. Cool, good. I'm pretty good. It's uh, officially autumn now. It is, definitely. Which is very good, because um, it's been hot as balls for like three months. <laughs> Um, and now it's too cold, and I'm going to complain about that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, like, so last week it was like 20 degrees. Yep. And I was still sweating loads. And this morning I was 10 minutes late to work because I was trying to scrape frost off my windshield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, how is it suddenly like three degrees outside? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's uh, it's definitely not that cold here, but the temperature's dropped quite dramatically. Yeah, it's just, that, that's my that's my weather update. Yeah. <laughs> That's so why people listen to this, right? Absolutely, just to hear me moan about the weather for two minutes. Yeah, I've like I've had a, a pretty pretty reasonable week. Cool. I've got good. like some pretty good news from the doctor on Wednesday. Sweet. Which is good. So like so that gave me like a bit of a bit of a midweek boost. Yeah. <laughs> um and then like I've not really played much magic. Um I've just been like messing around with Commander decks. Cool. Uh, and I've played a bit of Modern on cockatrice. Okay. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out like. So, for the team GP in Liverpool. Yeah. I think, pretty locked on humans, right? I think so. Yeah, I think we've, we've we're pretty locked on our decks. I think. Yeah. So like, it's something drastically changed. But I'm like trying to find something that's that I enjoy playing in the format. Yeah. And I'm going to get onto this later. But I've been messing around with like a countless company deck, obviously. Sure. Um, that's like sort of uh, a very lean deck. Yeah. Playing like militia eaglers and stuff, and then I'm splashing blue for like reflector mages in the sideboard. Okay. To bring in against like humans and um, hand scales deck. Yeah. Um, and it seems pretty good. Like I've I've won a fair few games. Um, Cockatrice continues to be one of the worst programs ever created. Yeah, it's uh, it's somehow worse than Modo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I didn't think that was possible, but it's it, oh god, it's so painful to use. Uh, but I'm cheap and can't afford to <laughs> play Modo properly, so. Um, but yeah, it's been like I'm just trying to find something that's fun to do, but I'm just gonna have to buy the pieces for humans. I think. Yeah, I think. <sighs> yeah. Like, I mean, between the three of us, where I think we're gonna we're gonna be able to scrape together sort of the most of our decks, and I don't know if there'll be much much more we'll need to buy, but I yeah, I, just, I think I think we're locked in some pretty pretty sensible decks that I guess we'll reveal closer to the time. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I know we we said we're sort of locked. But I really want to play a Knight of Autumn deck, so <laughs> we'll have to we'll maybe have to have discussion about that. Yeah, sure, um, sure. But yeah, how's how's your week been? Yeah, my week's been all right. Um, I managed to play a fair bit of Vintage online because it's like it's my favorite format and it's kind of taken over my life in a good way. Excellent. It's cool. I managed to play a bit. I managed to finally catch a, a live Rich Shea stream as well. It was cool. Oh, cool. He's uh, just great. He's, I love mm-hmm. his streams. absolutely love his streams. He plays some really interesting decks. Uh, he's good crack. I like him. That's the main thing with the yeah. streamer, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, outside of that, I've been playtesting for the new standard this weekend as well. Sweet. It's it's very, very fast, very, very aggressive. I think Boros mm-hmm. is going to be the best deck, at least sort yeah. of going into the early weeks. Uh, yeah, I, think I think we've kind of like discovered and sort of brewed and messed around with this like just really aggro Boros deck that has been consistently putting up wins on like at least turn five. Yeah, like that, that deck seems incredibly aggressive. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's normally the week one meta of a, like a new format, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's been cool to see, like, because I've been like reading a lot of articles and to a lot of podcasts and stuff. But it seems to be that Guilds is really going to shake up 
standard. Yeah, definitely. Which is always cool for a new set to yeah. like like properly make some waves. Um, and yeah, the Boris deck seems like sort of at least for the first couple of weeks the, the go to. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's probably going to survive for quite a while. I think uh, mm-hmm. if I had to compare it to anything, it almost reminds me of like Mardu vehicles in that it's just a powerful deck that all plays on curve very nicely, has a decent amount of like sideboard options, and it's it's probably going to stick around for the majority of the format, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a proper, like just staple of the meta game. Yeah, like Tajik so or like Tajik, Legion's Edge mm-hmm. is just like nuts. That card is yeah, that ridiculous. Card is, um, is it playing Chainmailer? That's the main question. Yes. Oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah at least like the list that, that we've been testing like mm-hmm. plays Chainmailer and it plays yeah. Chainmailer like consistently. So, uh, so you're playing Sacred Foundry, I'm imagining you're playing Cliftop Retreat. Uh, yeah, and also playing the uh, you know, the Bad Cavernous Souls from Ixalan. Oh, really? Sure. Yeah. Is there a lot of goblins in the deck? Uh, there is... Legion War Boss, and there is Goblin Banneret and Goblin Chainwaller. Okay, sure. So there's that's, enough, definitely. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I didn't think about. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I forget that card's in standard because I can't see it being played in modern. But sweet, okay. It, yeah, it, it just means you can consistently cast your Chainwallers, which yeah, is okay. what we all love to hear in the standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still allowed to cast Chainwaller. Yeah. Uh, so okay. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's if it's going to end up being like the best version of the deck, or even like anywhere near whatever pro breaks the deck but mm-hmm. i think we've got a pretty solid list sorted out yeah i mean all, like most of the new inclusions like from guilds seem pretty good yeah definitely seems a sweet set for constructed yeah i'm really looking forward to playing with it yeah i'm looking forward to uh reading loads of standard deck lists and never playing the format yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just i just can't be bothered to keep up like with owning cards yeah that's understandable I'll probably do some understandable. Un- understa- yeah, understandable. Oh, overstandardable, I guess. Jesus. Overstandard. <laughs> overstandard. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, like, I have people I can borrow cards from if I need to pay a PPTQ and stuff, so I'll keep my finger on the pulse, but. Sure. Okay. Sweet, okay. Cool. So we are so, going to try something right. a bit different with the, the podcast sort of going forward. Uh, there'll be no crack pack this week. Mm-hmm. Just going to sort of change up the flow of things and see see how, how people feel about it. Yeah. Can't get any worse, right? <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> sure. So if you'd like to give us any sort of feedback on our, our new format, uh, you can hit us up on social media. Uh, get in touch with us on Twitter. We are at HOFDcast on Twitter or facebook.com slash HOFDcast. Or you can find me on my personal Twitter. That is at PeachGardenOaf. That's O for Finef. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook, just Joe Loudon. I'm probably the only Joe Loudon in any magic group. I still haven't checked. Well, yes, yeah, same. same. I keep checking. Uh, you mean you don't aggressively Google yourself to oh, find no. out if there's any other Joe Loudons? No. Oh, <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at stathersnail69. Nice. Uh, <laughs> thanks, where I'm just retweeting memes. <laughs> and uh, just talk to me on Facebook about anything. I'll get into an argument with you about anything. Awesome. Awesome. I'll do. <laughs> Sweet. So, we've got quite a few things to cover this week. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? So, I guess we get card of the week out of the way, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, we're just going to generally talk about, like, magic burnout. Yeah, that's kind of a, the main focus, I guess, really. Yeah, because I think both of us have sort of been vaguely off magic in one way or another. Yeah, definitely. For a good while now. Um, and it's just sort of delving into that, like, what happens... I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to stop playing the game. Oh, yeah, same. But there's certain things that make it sort of less enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and I guess that'll be sort of our main topic. But 
before that, I my card of the week is Radical Idea. Nice. Uh, what does that do? It's one little blue for an instant. Yep. And you can it says draw a card. <laughs> uh, Sounds and then good. Uh, Jumpstart, which is the new is it mechanic, uh, and you may cast it from a graveyard if you pay its mana cost and discard a card. Sure. So, this no one's talking about this card, like at all. I, I know it's a common, yeah, and it's not particularly interesting. Nope. But I think this is very, very playable. Yeah. And a very reasonable card. So, it's obviously very similar to Think Twice. Yes. Out of time spiral and then in the strat mm-hmm. right which was uh, one in a blue to draw a card and you can flash it back for two in a blue so this is very similar so you pay you pay just one in a blue to flash it back but you have to discard a card yeah which <clears throat> given how the sort of jump start cards have shaken out doesn't seem like a massive drawback no totally because you can just discard more um, more jump start cards or you can you know, discard lands later in the game um, and it seems quite reasonable like as a control mid-range card yeah because um, you know we've, we, we've lost hieroglyphic illuminations yeah which is which the big was, yeah which was I mean it's probably uh, it's, I mean that's better than this card I think uh, yeah I, I, hands down it's better than the radical idea but I think I think this is very reasonable like just being able to just cycle it for two mana yeah and then being able to do it later in the game as well just just to keep up some card it's not card advantage I suppose but like to keep up some, some card draw yeah um, and like I think twice Saw play, yeah, I'll give it that definitely. I saw think... play in modern for a bit, yeah, that was a weird time. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think it's very similar to Think Twice. I think the the issue is, I know it's 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 definitely something that I'm struggling with at the moment. I think most people are. Is that it's standard for so long now? We've been used to like the the four mana draw twos being mm-hmm. both glimmer genius uh, and yep. hieroglyphic illumination. So yep. I think the other card in in Guild of Ravnica, which is, you know, essentially comparable to those two cards, is Chemist's Insight. So it's three yeah. in the blue for an instant, draw two cards, and it has jump start. So I think people have been kind of really overlooking uh, Radical Idea because it's like, well, we're already playing these four mana draw twos. Here's one in the new set. Let's just play this one. Yeah, I think that card is, is very good, and I think that's part of the problem. It's just like it gets outclassed by Chemist's Insight, like quite reasonably. Quite probably. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily the card to be playing though. I, I, I can, like, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I, I feel like Radical Idea might be the place to be. Or you mm-hmm. play like two copies of Radical Idea and two copies of Chemist's Insight instead of like the four four Chemist's Insight. Yeah, like I'm not suggesting it's gonna be like a format defining card that's yeah. like <laughs> in every blue deck, but <clears throat> I think it's a very very serviceable card. I think it's a very reasonable standard power level card. I think this kind of effect to be playable wants to be like one point three mana <laughs> or something yeah, like that, sure. and then like and then it would be reasonable, but obviously that's like impossible. Um, but yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think there's also some kind of combo deck that wants this kind of card. Yeah. Um, and I think so. Thousand Year Storm, right? Yes. <laughs> the very obvious EDH card in the set. It's a seven mana and travel that doesn't do anything. Six mana, yeah. Six but six mana and travel, sorry, excuse me. Um and but I think I think there might be something there, like because we have we have some cantrips in the set, right? Yeah. Like we have we have opt, which is very good. Yeah. We have uh Crash Three? 
Uh, yes, that is in standard. Yeah, that draws a card for one mana. Uh, and we have a radical idea. Yeah. Like, just having all these cantrips and then being able to storm off, like, you're probably going to die before that, especially if this Boris deck's real. Yeah. Which I believe it is. It is, yes. But I think, I think, like, there's something, right? There's going to be some kind of... You like fun decks. <laughs> you like doing stupid stuff in I, I like standard. fun decks that are also good. I just don't sure. think Thousand Year Storm is playable. Uh, but you thought Divine Visitation was playable. I still think Divine Visitation is playable. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like vehemently just call like that even, card. even after testing with a Boros deck, I still think Divine Visitation is a playable card. Yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna spend the next two years calling that card crap and just be proved wrong every sure. week. But <laughs> it's definitely gonna show up in standard, le- standard <laughs> lists. Um, but I think, I just think Radical Deal is a really interesting card. I think it's. Like it's just good, and I think it will see play, and like no one's talked about it. I definitely agree that it is being overlooked, and I think, I think the issue is because we've been used to these four mana draw two spells for so long now. I don't think mm-hmm. that might be, you know, the correct card to be playing in standard going forward. Like just because it mm-hmm. has been for so long, I yeah. think things are are going to radically change. I think radical idea might be the better card for the the control decks. Yeah. Um... I hope so. Sure. I, th- I think it's, I think it's very much possible. Um, yeah, that's my little spiel about my radical idea. I think it's a uh, a lot better than a lot better than it's getting credit for. Yeah, I think so. I think as well, like the thing that made like the the four mana draw two cards so good, like um, obviously especially something like Glimmer Genius, was the fact that you had like torrential gear hulk in the format. Mm-hmm. So you just generated so much value from torrential gear hulk with those yeah. those four mana draw twos. Yeah. Especially like how yeah, hieroglyphical illumination, like dumping that in your like cycling it, dump it in your graveyard and draw a card yeah. and then casting it for free on like turn six. Yeah. Was usually I pretty mean, good. Whereas we're losing that effect as well. So I th- I think yeah. yeah I think it probably is right just to be playing more radical ideas than it will be Chemist's Insights, surprisingly. Yeah, and um, we've got uh, Goblin Electromancer and Gutter Snipe, right? <laughs> There's got to be something there. Uh, I can't be like... I've tried. Like, Believe me, I've tried. But You weren't playing... The list you sent me, there wasn't any radical ideas in it. There weren't, no. There were Chemistry's Insights. Uh, I think after I've been, been testing with that, I think it's wrong. I think radical idea is better. But tapping out in turn three to play a, like, got a snipe is just, just bad. It's just really bad. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that might be something. Like, someone's going to do it. Like, some, some ridiculous player who's known for playing, like, right... One of the, one of the Japanese players, like with their sort of, because their meta always seems to be like a little bit out there. Yeah. Like they always used to, co- like they, they sort of come up with the the innovative ideas. Yeah. Um, and the sort of silly decks like that Arcane Adaptation, Unesh deck. Yeah. Uh, one of them will come up with like something sweet, like a combo deck. Yeah, like, hopefully using like Runaway Steamkin, like that would be cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, Runaway, Runaway Steamkin, like, uh, Radical doesn't combo with that. No, no it draws cards though. It draws red spells. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to break it, and it absolutely will not be me. <laughs> <laughs> or me. I'll oh, yeah, leave that. Leave that to someone else. Definitely. Yeah. Sweet. So, uh, what's what's your card of the week? So, my card of the week is uh, also a card from Guild of Ravnica. Mm-hmm. It is Risk Factor. Yeah. It's two and a red for an instant. Target opponent may have Risk Factor. Deal four damage to them. If that player doesn't, you draw three cards. 
and then it also has jump start. Uh, Browbeat's bad. Browbeat may be bad in like some older formats, and even maybe in its standard. I'm not sure about that standard environment, but maybe it mm. was. Uh, but I think Risk Factor may be very playable, or at least more playable than it kind of looks on the from the outset. Like sure, that's a card that you could just play in in the Boros deck, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Like three mana instant deal four or draw three cards it's pretty good and then the fact that you get to jump start it as well like six mana deal eight or six mana draw six cards seems good sure I just I think part of them with these sorts of cards um, like sort of punisher cards right Like yeah. so like demanding dragon is that oh, the, the I card? think it's a lot better than demanding dragon yeah but like cards cards like that yeah is that your opponent's always going to choose the worst option for you right mm-hmm or rather the best option for them. Yeah. So if like you're playing against like a control deck where they just don't care and it's like, okay, I'll take four. Yeah. Um, and then you just sort of wasted three mana and it hasn't really done anything, and then like they play a board wipe and you have no pressure anymore and they've just taken four. Well, that, it, but it does have jump starts and you just do it again. Sure. Yeah, like but I, I believe they're a deck in format where they can they can just happily take eight. If they can deal with like the rest of your board, if they can like deal with the pressure, so they're playing like a, like board wipes and stuff, um, and then drawing three cards. Like I think if you're at a point where your opponent is allowing you to draw three cards, I think you've probably already won the game anyway. Yeah. If you're at a point where like your opponent cannot take four because they're on four, or like you've got lethal in play plus four, or just like they, they just can't afford to go that low, then you're probably already winning the game, yeah. and you don't need to draw the three cards. Um, I'm not sure. Like I, I could be wrong. Like it, it could be, it could be sweet, and like I believe that it could be good. And like a really aggressive Boris deck is just like just don't be for whore. Um, but I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of situations where that card can become worse. Yeah, if that makes sense. I don't know. We'll, like we'll, we'll have to see. Like yeah, I, th- I think the the biggest difference between it and browbeat is the fact that you, you can jump start it. So yeah, you sure. Play, no, it back, no, play no, it back no, from no. your graveyard. I think that that makes it considerably better and also the fact it's instant speed whereas Barbary mm-hmm. Sorcery yeah like put them in a position where like they they can't take the four and then at the end of turn you cast risk factor so at the end of your turn I'll draw three cards that sounds pretty good yeah I agree yeah and then yeah I I, I just think I think it's playable I think it's it's a lot better than Browbeat. Uh, yeah. You know, probably won't see any Eternal player or anything but I, I think mm-hmm. it's definitely a lot better than it looks for standard sure yeah, like I, I can do that. I mean, also the art on it is great. Yeah, like, I'm not like, entirely sure what's going on in it, but it's it's pretty it's like interesting. A, it's like a Goblin DJ. Yeah, they've <laughs> got some ridiculous headphones on. He's got some like sweet is it decks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what is actually happening? Man? It's like crawling over some like machinery or something. Yeah, some sort of I don't know. Maybe it's like a time machine or something. He's going to try to send himself back in time or forward in time. And, Whatever it is, it's goddamn yeah. grumpy about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sweet. Yeah, like I, I, I could be wrong about Scott. Like I have a lot of reservations, but we'll have to see how the uh, how the format shakes out. I suppose. Yeah. Sure. Sweet. Cool. So, with cool. our card of the week out of the way, let's get on to our, our main topic. Mm-hmm. Which is, as we uh, sort of hinted at before, it's it's burnout. Burnout can mean lots of lots of things to lots of different people in you know in lots of contexts. So I, I think for me, burnout is definitely something that I, I have been feeling recently with Magic. Mm-hmm. I think my my feeling as far as like burnout goes, I, I think it, I think it kind of stems from frustration. Like I'm kind of like I've lost a bit of motivation to to kind of want to play the game. I lost kind of like in a, a bit of an interest in keeping up with some of the spoilers, and like. 
I'm loving like the content still. Like I'm still like reading like articles. I'm still listening to podcasts. I'm still watching streams. I'm still playing like eternal formats that I enjoy. I just feel like oh. I have a lot of frustrations, specifically kind of directed at Wizards of the Coast. I think and like how they've how they've handled kind of everything to be honest for like the past good four to six months yeah i think i think that's very reasonable i think like for me it's a combination of like personal just like how i feel about the game how i interact with the game how i'm able to interact with my game with the game because of like you know where i live like what cards i have access to what formats i have access to play regularly and stuff like that yeah and then like obviously just some of the things that what you've been doing recently I think should we should we sort of start with that? Like, there's just the sort of wider problems with magic and and Watsy in general. Yeah, I, I guess so. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I don't kind of I kind of don't want to just have this like, oh, let's drag everyone and everything down and you know, let's have this really mm-hmm. depressing talk. But at the same time, I do kind of want to get some feelings off my chest, and I do think we have some, you know, maybe interesting talking points. Absolutely, like we've got a platform to do it, right? And I mean. Watsy aren't going to listen to this. Yeah, no. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about any backlash. Right? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, I guess for me, uh, really, it kind of started... I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's it really started with um, the, the spoiler season for Guilds of Ravnica. Mm-hmm, yeah. That kind of, like, major sort of feeling frustration that I've had over the past couple of weeks. It's like... Yeah. So you've got this big sort of world-building panel at PAX. Like, I remember the one for Ixalan. Like, I watched that. I dead hyped about that. Like... I was so excited for Ixlan as a set built like yep. based off that world building panel, and like, you know, given how much like I talk crap about Ixalan, <laughs> I think they they like unveiled that set and like hyped up that set in just the perfect way. Yeah, I remember the Kaladesh one where they had like a like a whole kind of hall at PAX and they had like Mark Rosewater came out and unveiled vehicles and talked about all the mechanics and stuff and they showed off the new Chandra card and it was it was really cool it was really exciting. Like they had like a whole big kind of you know inventors fair street fair thing, and yeah, everyone was hyped. People were like, "Okay, this is weird. Why we've got vehicles now?" But everyone was hyped. It was really cool. Yeah, I was really looking forward to like another similar thing, especially given that it's Ravnica, like you know, arguably the most popular plane in Magic. Mm -hmm. And the days went by, and I was checking checking the schedule for packs. Nothing on there. Nothing on there. Nothing on there. Okay, yeah, they've got it up there. Here's the time. This is when it's going to be. Cool, I wonder where I can watch the stream. Yeah. Oh, I can't watch the stream because there is no stream. And it that just really, like, confused me. Like, why Why wouldn't you stream the world building panel for your new exciting upcoming set for, like, one of the most popular planes? See, so I agree with you, but I think that's sort of the point. Yeah. It's like so so these these events like doing like a massive PAX panel with like <clears throat> loads of cosplayers and props and all this nonsense. Yeah. Um is expensive, right? Yeah. Like what's he gonna have to pay out for that? And I think they're sort of with Guilds of Ravnica specifically, they're banking on the fact that people are just gonna be hyped anyway. Right? I guess like, so, yeah. I was sort of I was already excited for Guilds of Ravnica. Like before, I saw any cards, but like just just hearing the set name Guilds of Ravnica, yeah, I was already excited because you know it's one of one of the most beloved Magic planes. Uh, the sets have always been like fun and cool and had powerful cards, yeah. Um, and I think maybe there was just they didn't feel like they need to, needed to do that anymore. 
like for this specific set because the hype was already there like they didn't need to say oh look guys it's Ravnica get excited about it because people already were as far as enfranchised players go like yeah for sure like absolutely but I mm-hmm. think like you know cast back to last time we were on Ravnica like when Return to Ravnica came out yeah not long after that was when I started playing the game like as a new player mm-hmm. and like I, th- I think like you know it, it's kind of common knowledge that there was a massive sort of influx of players around that time that's when they really ramped up like the like the amount of product they were printing ramped up then like the whole thing just really took a step up and i i think you know surely there must have been something last time that made me sort of see you know see ravnica see magic and hey hey this is cool this is interesting so like why not the same again this time to to bring in more new players Mm -hmm. and also the fact that like you're bringing out a, a like a, a cross-branded product for Dungeons and Dragons. Why yeah. not stream this world-building panel to get your Dungeons and Dragons players who might be interested about the book or not know anything about it, or you know might have heard of the book and not really know much more than that? Why not have them you know be able to watch this stream specifically about the world-building of the plane that they can then transfer into their games of Dungeons and Dragons that they're going to buy your book. To use like just yeah, I think that could kind of thing. It doesn't make any sense to me from like a the product perspective and like a marketing perspective. But then also yeah, having like Jerry Thompson the there, like just tweeting out blurry photos. Like yeah, that was that the was that was the official way they were releasing news. Was like, oh yeah, we got Jerry T here, and he's gonna tweet some photos out. Yeah, it's like that's not how the world really works anymore. No, like in terms of spoiling stuff, because they they did it with uh, Iconic Masters, right? Where they went to, back to like yeah, Hascon, yeah, yeah, the original way that sets were spoiled. It's just like you got you know rumors and stuff, and like because because they were they weren't able to do like big spoiler sets and stuff. Yeah. you you got people just talking about them, like people that got to see the set first and whatever. Yeah. It's like that's not how it works anymore. Like it's, <laughs> it's very, like very much rooted in, in in how magic works. Is that you like just put up spoilers every day and like you make them accessible and you upload good quality images and maybe like you do a little spiel about them. Yeah. Or you give them to content content creators who get to talk about them and like maybe do a show about them. And that that's sort of like the established way it works now. And you can't just when you, when you can do what you want. Yeah. Company like Hasbro. But you can you can't just like mess with that because that's what we're used to and that's what we that's what gets excited and that's what works like it definitely works. Yeah, you know, you're, you're refreshing Mythic spoiler every day. You're keeping track of like podcasts you listen to because they might have a spoiler card, like, rather than just Jerry T in the audience <laughs> tweeting out bad photos of a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, and like it's that thing. I think like to me, like I really view it from like a marketing perspective, and it it, it just doesn't seem right if you're gonna like if you're trying to you know, entice new players by having somebody that they won't have heard of ever mm-hmm. tweet photos out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you Why not just follow- put up a, a an official PAX stream? Yeah, like, you... Because this is... this is, like, You have to be following Jerry Tate, right? Yeah. Or, like, any of that. Because I know there are, there are other people... Or like, you can, yeah, follow, like, the, like the, the magic Twitter or whatever. Yeah. But it's just, it, it was a very, very strange way to do it. And just like, but really, that's how they do it? Like, when we first, like, saw some spoilers, just like, really, that's how they're doing it? Yeah. Like, that that's the method they've chosen. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was very odd. So that was obviously the initial spoilers we got. And then there wasn't anything for, like, ten days, because the yep. official spoiler season hadn't started yet. Yep. So, yeah, like, we knew 
a handful of cards in the set, and then it was like, oh yeah, we're just we're just not going to talk about any of that for the next, you know, next fortnight, and then we'll give you some spoilers. Yeah, it seems really, uh, really unorganised. Yeah, think. definitely. And I, th- I think that's sort of the word to describe Watsy's sort of behaviour at the moment. Yeah. Is it seems unorganised, um, and just sort of not as because from, from like a game design point of view, like I've got I've got like a few gripes, yeah, um, which I'll probably get to in a minute. But like they're pretty much killing it, right? Like they've released good sets after good sets. Like Dominaria was amazing. M19 was a very good core set, though. I mean, we didn't like it, but that's because we're in franchise players. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a very good course, like core set. It had a lot for like a lot of flavour. Like I think the story. Yeah, it had a lot of cards that are going to impact standard. It had some much mm-hmm. needed reprints. Uh, yeah. There was a you know a, a vaguely interesting story. Yeah, um, and like I think like Commander Eighteen was. I, I mean, most Commander players didn't like it, but I think I think that was a very good set. Um, and all the rounding of spoilers, like in terms of like actual cards, like I'm very very excited for all of them. Yeah, um, but it's just it's the the way this stuff's been been handled. Yeah, um, from the company that's meant to be promoting this game has been really sort of disappointing. Yeah, I, I agree with that word definitely. Like for a, for a a company that you know makes the only hobby I'm particularly interested in and who controls like ninety percent of my disposable income, <laughs> um, and does for like you know thousands and thousands of people across the across the globe. Yeah. Think they care? Yeah. About how these things happen, or not just like sort of willingly. Oh, here's some blurry spoilers that you get to vaguely look at, and you don't get to appreciate the art because like the art, the, the art and the flavor, and like the fact that um, Ralzarek's back, like that's that's a big exciting thing. Yeah. And we just have to look at this sort of like crappy, blurred, weird angle photo yeah. rather than like being able to do like a sweet that like you could have like a little backstory on him, like. Yeah reveal the full art and be like oh, look how cool this art is oh we've got alternate art look how good this like it's it's very it's very strange yeah definitely yeah. I think the other thing that obviously we got at the, the PAX panel as well was the the Ravnica Mythic Edition announcement oh where they they announced this Ravnica Mythic Edition it'll be available from Hasbro Toy Store and it'll be two hundred forty nine ninety nine, and you get 24 packs in it and you get these planeswalkers and then that was kind of like all they said, and it was just really confusing for a lot of people. And it was like, well, like, I, do these packs contain the planeswalkers, or are the planeswalkers going to be separate? Mm-hmm. Why are we getting packs and planeswalkers? Like, mm-hmm. you know, why isn't this available outside of North America and Canada? Like, yeah. Why can we only buy it from you and not local game stores? Why is it two hundred and fifty dollars for two thirds of a booster box? Mm-hmm. so many so many questions that they just didn't answer until like very recently and even then have changed a couple of things about it yeah I, like i know we said we didn't particularly want to rag on watsy yeah that, that is my favorite pastime um <laughs> and magic in general but it just it's just money grabbing right like that's yeah absolutely. maybe that's not the reason maybe i'm just I, being skeptical cynical but that's what it seems like right absolutely i i, th- I think this this particular product comes more from hasbro than from wizards of the coast i think um mm. Yeah, I think Hasbro kind of look at the popularity of like the San Diego Comic Con Planeswalkers and that kind of thing, uh, combined with Master Sets, because they mm-hmm. they know they know that people will buy Master Sets. Yeah, because because they will. Like no matter how bad they make Master Set, somebody's somebody's going to buy it. Yeah, I think, I think they've, they've looked at those two and gone, well, 
why don't we just cut out distributors? Why don't we cut out stores and just just sell it ourselves? And that's that's the problem, right? Like cutting out stores, like yeah. the lifeblood of your game. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason your game works, the reason you have people turning up to tournaments, the reason you have you know most of the time qualifiers for the pro tour. The reason you're making any money is game stores, and you're just sort of cutting them out. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. Like you can't just cut out your market because that's that's where people play magic that's where people buy magic cards yeah that's where people get excited about the game that you're trying to sell and you're just sort of like no no screw them we're not gonna we just want the money um but that, that it seems like i think i think i think you're right like i think it is a hasbro problem rather than a wizard of the guy's problem yeah absolutely and i, I, I think, think we're, we're we're seeing that more and more so especially in the announcement last week that we had you know something which I personally felt quite good about the fact that they they did a bit of a workaround for the Mythic Edition of Guild of Ravnica for mm-hmm. those outside of North America and Canada. Uh, yep. You can now pick a box up. If you pre-order a box from Channel Fireball, you can now pick it up at any GP uh, until the end of 2019. So yep. that's something that is cool. Like If you happen to be going to the GP anyway, like that's fine. That's cool. I'm glad they've done that. Like It means yeah. you know I can get a box for like Three hundred dollars, as opposed to like five hundred dollars or whatever it would have been, which, yeah, which I just still wouldn't have bought. But... Yeah, would would not have bought it for that price at all. Mm-hmm. And like, I think I think that's the thing. It's like Hasbro seem to have. I think Hasbro have more say in everything than absolutely. Yeah, we sort of give them credit for. And like, I think they they have an inherent misunderstanding of how magic works how magic is successful yeah absolutely I, I think we saw that with the the other thing that came from that announcement uh, mm-hmm. was the the big obviously the, the big distribution deal that they've got with Amazon Target and Walmart now yeah and like it just seems like they don't care about stores at all nope. like the fact that like, you can now you can go on on it like I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work for the UK or if it will affect the UK much, but in America at least, you can go on Amazon now and buy a box at like ninety dollars. Yep. On Amazon. That's ridiculous. Whereas, like prior to that, if you were picking up a box at like your game store for a hundred dollars, that was like a really good deal. Yeah, and like you were happy to to pay a sort of market price, right? Yeah. So like I understand that you're buying for your game store and like people like to support their game stores, but when it's such like that's gonna be such a slash off like uh, LGS prices. Yeah, right? definitely. I mean, if it's yeah, if it's at like ninety dollars currently, like what happens when there's like an Amazon sale on or like the product gets like discounted for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. And like yeah, like not even actually with stores, but like yeah, other sellers, like other distributors, people selling through Amazon start undercutting undercutting and you know amazon can can afford to take like razor thin margins on like on anything yeah absolutely they they have infinite money whereas like your local game store can barely barely survive like they barely make any money from selling a box at a hundred dollars yeah they don't like that and like game stores can't can't survive that yeah they close they close every day um and just for for the company that they sort of... I mean, a lot of games are sort of built on the back of Magic the Gathering specifically, right? Yeah. Like they'll do, you know, comics or tabletop games or, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! or whatever. But, like, most of them, like, they're built on the back of Magic. Like, the way they make their money is Magic the Gathering. 
um, yeah, I, I think a lot of stores they can't do that anymore. Yeah, I think I think obviously a lot of stores do sort of diversify their products and stuff. But I think when it comes to like you know you're looking at you're looking at buying in Guild of Ravnica to stock in your in your shop, and it's like well, if I buy X amount of this, I can get it at X price, and then I can afford to sell it for this, which is you know twenty dollars more than it is online. So why would anybody buy that from me? So why mm-hmm. should I even stock it? Yep. So you stop stocking magic product, and then you don't have you know stuff like like booster prizes or work to give away at events because you don't have the stock because it's not worth it to you to buy the stock so you stop bringing events so people stop coming to your store to play uh, it's just one thing after another that's just going to cause a really 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 bad chain reaction yeah absolutely and yeah like that's the thing you, it's just it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how magic is mm. profitable and how magic is marketable it, marketable it's not it's not because people who play this game so they'll just buy things yeah it's because LGS is like cultivate a community and magic cultivates community and people that want to do things and like I'd rather buy stuff from an LGS or, or like one of the online sellers uh, in the UK like I'd rather bu- I'd rather buy from them than I would buy from Amazon or eBay yeah definitely um, if I can and like I always try and order from you know UK sellers of magic cards because it's it's a community and you you have to do that but like if I can get it at such a discount online why the hell would I bother yeah because at a certain point like my my lack of income um, sort of overtakes my morals <laughs> and like, my want to support people and want to support things. Like if I can get like, you know, 10% off things regularly and I can just afford to do that, then especially if you're buying like multiple boxes, like if you're buying a case yeah. and you get to save like 20 bucks on each box, well, that's ridiculous. Like, you yeah, support, definitely. So yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing is just, it's, I mean, it's a Hasbro problem more than a wizard's problem, I believe. Yeah. I, I think so as well. And like, that's it. So as far as like getting back to like burnout and like frustrations goes, I think that's where a lot of my sort of feeling lies currently. Like I'm finding it finding it very hard to kind of want to support the game, to want to support the kind of new products going out, and that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm finding myself like enjoying so much like old school and vintage at the moment because you don't have to interact with yes, sort of yeah, I don't have to have business. I don't have to deal with Wizards of the Coast because they clearly don't care about those formats and won't support those formats because they don't make them any money yeah that's the problem and i understand like we can i i understand the fact that businesses need to make money and companies need to make money in, in order for it's for for us to play the game like yeah. we won't get to play the game if they stop making money because yeah. if they stop making money they'll stop making the game yeah but at a certain point like i'm happy to draft every week yeah and so like i still give them my money it's just i prefer to play legacy and commander because i don't have to interact directly with the watsy's business practice or hasbro's yeah. business practices and, and the way that they want the game to be consumed and purchased yeah i mean it's, it's that thing where like obviously there are there are lots of different ways to make money but with the coast or you know hasbro or whoever it is only seem to really be focused on one or two yep because it's the easiest it's easy yeah. to just chuck boxes up on amazon and reap the profits than it is to support eternal formats and create a good competitive environment yeah which i guess is what i wanted to uh move on to next sure if you're unless there's anything you particularly want to say about uh money grabbing hasbro <laughs> <laughs> uh nothing i can say on this uh this all ages friendly podcast <laughs> we'll have to do a uh our conversation after dark where we just yeah. start swearing about how crap it is um so did you know that uh, the World Championships were happening last weekend? Uh, I, I did. I, mm. I I actually knew that they were taking place this weekend. I think uh, it was about you, you and about 12 other people. Do you, do you know <laughs> how, how I how I knew that it was taking place? 
Uh, was it because of uh, Wizard of the Coast's excellent promotion of the, of the event? It wasn't. It was because I, I follow quite a few professional players on Twitter, and mm-hmm. the majority of them were all sort of early last week all tweeting about how oh, it was going to be Worlds this weekend and Wizards of the Coast hadn't posted anything about it. Yep. I honestly, I honestly didn't know it was happening until yep. I saw pros tweeting about the fact that it wasn't happening. Yep. It was happening even. Um yeah, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was a combination of, of that, and I knew that it was happening sometime within the next fortnight because I knew that the team series was getting to play Guild of Ravnica Sealed. So, mm-hmm. and obviously, that was know. going to happen before the pre-release. Um, these are things that you, you know because you're, you're an incredibly entrenched player who cares about Quest of Magic. Yeah, totally. So, the layperson who goes to FNM, who wants to watch Worlds, like, people want to watch Quest of Magic because it's cool. Yeah. But you wouldn't... I honestly like I. I feel like I'm relatively entrenched as a magic player. Like I think I'm sort of in deep as you are, maybe yeah. in different parts of the game, but like I'm as invested as anyone else. Yeah, definitely. And I, I had no idea. Yeah, which is ridiculous considering it's like the sort of premier magic event, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's the most exclusive tournament. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like you get to watch the best players in the world play. Like, and what was the, what's the prize money? Um. Something ridiculous, like it's even that. Like I don't know off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you yeah, off exactly. the top of my head. Exactly. I know, I know. First place gets a hundred thousand dollars, cool. and I know that because I was laughing at a joke on Twitter about the the winner asking if he could take his check on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Can they? <laughs> uh, I I replied, oh, it should be fine as long as it's in a giant oversized wallet. <laughs> that's pretty good yeah. that's a good joke that's where people should follow you on Twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> for for excellent magic jokes that's um, at Peach Garden Oaf that's O nice. and F nice <laughs> <laughs> nice you've got that pat down yeah um, but yeah I just think it's ridiculous like the, the sort of premier tournament where people are competing for a, uh, at least the top prize of $100,000 yeah why didn't I know why wasn't I able to watch why why like why <laughs> just yeah. why is the question um, and there's just no promotion and then I think honestly the way I found out about it which I guess is something we're going to have to address at some point yeah. is uh, Jerry Thompson yes it's like so I found out about the fact that Worlds was happening based on the fact that Jerry Thompson was not going to be there despite the fact he was meant to be yeah and he I mean I guess if you pay attention to magic you probably will know what's going on with Jerry Thompson specifically yeah but he didn't go to Worlds as a sort of protest to um the way that magic treats pros yeah. and i think this plays into it the fact that no one knew new worlds was happening um it's a massive problem like these people don't get promotion like you you grind and you grind for years and years and you work really hard and you devote your life to magic and you know you you lose money and you spend all this money trying to do this thing and then you, you win you become the world champion and then like you get your face on the, you get like a 10 minute interview and then you get your face on the back of a promotional card out of a booster pack yeah well, that's about it yeah that's pretty much but it why, why the hell am I devoting my life to this game to play competitively to spend all this money to spend all this time to like make sacrifices yeah when I don't get any recognition from the company that puts on the tournament yeah yeah that's completely ridiculous and I think I think that's like the more I've sort of delved into that topic the more it's irritated me yeah definitely it's like especially comparison to other other games on like that exist in a similar in a similar realm yeah definitely it's, it's it's that thing of like there's one thing arguing for like for more money for more pay like I can see I can see why some people might have an issue with that or have a gripe with that but if you read every single point of, sort of Jerry Thompson's post 
that he made when he sort of explained the reasons why he, he was sitting out as a protest and it's he was doing it he was doing it for everybody just to highlight all of the issues that we, we've covered so far and, and more that we will cover it's it's not certainly made it clear that it wasn't about the money for him like even the fact that he by not playing he bowed out of like an automatic like twelve and a half thousand dollars like yeah he got like essentially an appearance fee for being there right yeah yeah um, yeah, and it, that, that's money out of his pocket that he's sacrificing. And I mean, he does well. Like he's a professional like podcaster, basically. Yeah. Like he he's quit all proper. I mean, but most professional most... Con- content creator. Obviously, he does articles and, and various yeah, other yeah. things as well. Yeah, but like the, the rest of us, we have to have full time jobs and lives yeah. and stuff to go along with that because we can't make money play, playing magic. But he like he manages to, but not because of playing magic. Yeah. He makes money because he's a professional magic player, not at playing magic, and I think that's a very important distinction to make. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, he, sorry, he he can he can like sort of make his bones on playing magic tournaments, winning like cashing at tournaments. Yeah, but he makes his money on the fact that people want to listen to his opinion and people want to read his articles, and he's paid by third party companies to put out podcasts, yeah. to write articles, to like to create content, and that's that's ridiculous like a good portion of his income comes from patreon and people paying like like su- like supporting him like sort of like a charity and that's that's ridiculous for someone that's like one of the biggest names in the game yeah absolutely and it feels like it just feels like wizards of the ghost don't don't respect those people and, yeah. and like you have to make a comparison between hearthstone or league of legends or anything like that yeah, because totally. they're, they exist in a similar realm yeah um and they're household names and they make money playing the game and they get promoted and I, I know who, who like the names of Hearthstone pros despite the fact that I don't play Hearthstone and don't care about it yeah I don't care about competitive Hearthstone like I play Hearthstone in my downtime for fun because it's a free to play game uh, and mm-hmm. yeah I like that I really like the limited format in it I, I find that I'm decent in the limited format and can play it for free that's great mm-hmm. um, you know I, I've never ever watched a Hearthstone stream ever Nope. But I could tell you that Amaz is a really good Hearthstone player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that from Magic the Gathering Pro Tours that he keeps getting invites to for playing Hearthstone. Yep. Uh, I, I make- could tell you that like Stanislav Chevka is also a very good Hearthstone player. I can tell you that from the Magic the Gathering Pro Tour he was recently invited to. Mm-hmm. It's Because it's- he's already a household name. Yeah. Whereas, what are the chances of like Luis Scott Vargas being in- uh, invited to a Hearthstone tournament? I mean, it's probably a non-zero amount, but yeah, like, like not as much as like a mass being invited to to the pro tour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Like, I know I know LSV's name and like Jerry Thompson and yeah. Brad Nelson and all these people because I'm so entrenched in the game and I care about their opinions because yeah. they're good magic players. I've not been told to care about them about the company that's like putting on these tournaments. Yeah, like I if I, if I didn't care about the game, I wouldn't know. Who the big players were, like I wouldn't know who Owen Turnwald was, yeah, or Reduke, but I do not because of Watsy, but because of the companies that they they work for and like the fact that I watch competitive magic, yeah, and go out of my way to do so. They're not. I'm not told about them by Watsy. Yeah, no, you're told about them by like Channel Fireball and Star City Games and. Exactly, you know, all and of like, these who, like content creators. Yeah, and who is there to emulate? That's the thing. Yeah. It's like if you're a new player, you're like, oh, I want to see who all the professional magic players are. And you have to go out of your way, and you have to go to third-party companies and YouTube to find out who these people are. Yeah, and that's absurd. Yeah, I agree. Like, like there's there's no incentive to be a professional magic player, really, because like sure, sure the, the prize payouts, but the prize payouts at like you know GPs and stuff aren't that good. 
No, I think and you have to make a loss to do it. To like, because I mean, we can only go to the ones in the UK. Yeah. Like, I know people that like travel over Europe and stuff, but you know, I've got a full time job. I have you know bills and stuff to pay. I have the friends and family to spend time with. Yeah. Like, I I can't personally. Like, there's personal equity that goes with it as well as like actual money. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if if I was to, you know, grind the the GP the, like, the European GP circuit. I would have to make some significant life changes, which mm-hmm. I, you know, a I'm not prepared to do, and b don't want to do. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that seems like the only the only way is that you know you live in a dingy flat and eat super noodles and just grind grind modo. Yeah, and that's no way for like you know a potential world champion to be living. You yeah, know what I mean, absolutely. Like having to actually take because obviously like magic is a luxury hobby, right? We. Yeah. Um, we choose to spend money on this game because it's something we enjoy doing and, you know, I wouldn't play it if I didn't have the money to spend on yeah. it. But, like, there has to be, like, there's no standard of living for, for like, people who are trying to be the best at something in the world. Yeah. And they have to make massive sacrifices and spend crap loads on plane tickets and hotels. Oh, it's just wild. Like, there needs to be, I mean, you, you you can just see Twitter over the last few days, just people sharing their views on this, and I just, I suppose, wanted to throw ours into the ring, but it's just nuts. Like, yeah, it the is. The way that they treat professional magic players. I, I, yeah, I, I have, I don't know if, like, theory is the right word to use, but I, I think the problem is that, you know, if you're comparing it to, like, all of these other games and other things, and I, I think magic just has an identity problem, the kind of core, the core of it, I think it's the core issue, like, what does Wizards of the Coast want the game to be? I think they need to clearly communicate what they want it to be. Like, do they want it to be an eSport? Like, do they want it to be something like Hearthstone? Like, if that's the case, then, you know, it significantly increase your prize pool, advertise better, get more people watching, get sponsors, do it, you know, emulate all of these, these you know, eSports companies and other games that are doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. Do, you, I mean- do, you, do you want it to be poker? Like in that case, and yeah, like get other sponsors. Like stop focusing on like you know bringing newer players into the game and just sort of establish like a like a very yeah I don't know just like a very highly competitive scene, but also put in significant amount of new prize pools. Or do you just want it to be like a, like a pastime like fun tabletop game? In that case, get rid of the whole protest sort of thing. Yeah, and, and do I the... just, yeah. Just do, do the, the you know, do the settlers of Catan thing, like whatever, like Netrunner. Yeah. Exactly, and like, and you you do the Mythic Edition thing, and yeah. you, you do the the nonsense promos and stuff like that. Like that's how you do it. It just seems like they want to do two things at once. And and the thing is, like, so Magic Magic is the, the greatest game ever created, right? Yeah, fact. Like, I don't think there's, there's, not, there's not a debate about that, and it's not just like from from two people. Like personally, the, the reason I it's like consumes my life is because it's the greatest game ever designed yeah definitely and like what what other like you know modern game has existed for so long like you've exactly. got like Monopoly and that's it practically and Monopoly's crap uh, just so happens to be the only game I'm good at but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like it's it's infinitely better than Hearthstone yeah um, but Hearthstone is more widely played more popular more profitable because they know how to market it, yeah, and people know about it. People that don't aren't entrenched in games know about Hearthstone. They don't know about Magic, yeah. Despite the fact that Magic is the oldest and the best game, yeah. 
they know about Hearthstone because it's, it's everywhere. Like they have TV adverts and they have posters up and they, they're constantly promoting our oh, look at the best, best player in the world. It's just random people. Yeah. When, when I went to the cinema to see Star Wars, there was an advert for Hearthstone on beforehand. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not, I'm not saying Hearthstone's a bad game. No, I, I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan yeah. of the game. I've played it and enjoyed it, but like, it's not, it's not, it's not, there's not enough depth in it, I think, to hold my interest. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's, it's not something I'm entrenched in like Magic. Uh, it's not something that yeah. I don't think I'll ever care about like Magic. But as far as the game mm-hmm. goes, I love the game. I think it's a great game. I think it's very fun. Yeah, um, but it's, it's stuff like that. And like, I guess we can you can draw a comparison to Fortnite, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I, I've, been to- I've never played it. I've been told is crap. Um, but whatever. <laughs> like, uh, even if it's like just it's just another first-person shooter or whatever, yeah. Like, it's... It's caught on like wildfire because they know how to market it because they're marketing it like a game. Yeah. Whereas Wizards of the Coast are marketing magic like they're not marketing it. Like how do you get? I, I, so I got, yeah, that's it. Like they're they're marketing it by putting advertisements in booster packs. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're already <laughs> buying the product. Like, yeah. I've already like, bought the product. Why is there an advert for the product in the product I've just bought? Like exactly. And I get, um, I get. Notification like adverts on my phone, yeah, like scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or whatever, for the like the mobile games, yeah, not like an arena game, not, not like actual magic that you can play on your phone, like the like Puzzle Quest or whatever it is, yeah, yeah. like a crap, like it, it has magic marketing, um, it's clean made by Hasbro because I don't think Mark Rosewater would ever put his name to anything like that, but mm. it's it's just like a crap game, like it's it's like Candy Crush, but you get to look at magic characters and like Jace is there. It's so much worse than Candy Crush. Is it actually like I've never played it? Look, look, it's not my kind. Of, like, yeah, it's not the kind it, of thing I play. It's like I, I've I've wasted, you know, many hours of my life that I'll never get back playing the game. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's not very good though. <laughs> sure, like and that, that's the thing. It's like they're spending money on that. Like I get to see that that's advertised. I've never seen a hey go down to your local game store or wherever you know Forbidden Planet or whatever and, and try this and you'll get a sweet promo and stuff I only see that kind of advertisement on, on the Magic the Gathering Facebook page yeah or in which, booster packs that you've already yeah, purchased yeah so you, you have to already be aware of Magic to understand to, yeah. to like be enticed to play it it's like I already play it like <laughs> why do I need to be told like all these things and like I understand like you know, people might just pick up booster packs but the chances of that happening are far lower than someone picking up Arsenal because they see an advert in an actual cinema yeah um uh, yeah, I just think that's that's a huge problem. Like they just don't they don't know what they want to be, and like don't seem to have the acumen to do it. Because in terms of in terms of like lore of the game, actual mechanics, actual physical magic cards that I get to play with, it's amazing. Yeah, like it is the greatest game. But these these things are just like it's like they don't care, and that's really really put me off the game. Yeah, um, and I think that's part of the problem. It's just they they don't seem to care about progressing their game and like expanding their game. And I want as many people to play magic as possible because it is the greatest game. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like again, going back to like me enjoying like vintage and old school so much is is because you you get to exist in that world where Wizards of the Coast don't care, but that's not a negative thing because the communities around those formats are fantastic, yeah, and you yeah. know they, they don't need kind of involvement or like the yeah you don't need to kind of like the constant change and pace that something like standard or even modern might. Yeah, and like I don't want to like bang on the spot much like but I, i'll go on my like, two minute spiel about like reserve lists and stuff yeah it's like L- legacy is my favorite format to play yeah. um because i can't afford to play vintage yeah i don't have an old school community i mean I bet we barely have a legacy community but anyway like that's my favorite format to play because it's it it, it like 
the strategies that are viable are most applicable to how I like to play Magic. Yeah. Um, but it, it's relatively unsupported. Like, so, so they have legacy GPs. Like, I play. I literally played in a legacy GP this year. Yeah. Uh, the Pro Tour had legacy at it. Sweet. Okay. But because of that, like the prices are going up, and it doesn't feel like they care about it. They're not re- actually reprinting the cards. Like they're not putting the cards in players' hands about that kind of stuff. And I think that's that's a huge problem. It's like see, they don't. I I don't think it is for them. I think my my sort of stance of the whole reserveless thing is like I I think it ties into like a, a bigger feeling, really, which kind of kind of is probably the way things are going to go like given all of the other things that have been happening recently like I think Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro specifically like they don't need to have a conversation about the reserve list because mm-hmm. of their digital products because of Magic Online because of Magic Arena they mm-hmm. can reprint the reserve list cards on those programs whenever they want whenever they see, see you know, fit to do so mm-hmm. So why, why bother having this conversation about you know reprinting these these cards in paper that may or, or may not you know lead to like some negative feedback or or you know law lawsuits where they're being sued for millions? Yeah, I mean, when I they can that's... just they could just not have that. Start you know supporting the paper product less and eventually just shift to this digital product, which is what I think what Hasbro clearly want. I mean, I mean. Yeah, like I, I completely, I completely agree with your points, but like I think there's a, like there's a reason the paper game has survived this long, right? Yeah, like because it's because it's that good. Yeah, people playing with actual paper magic cards. Like when you think about it, it's kind of stupid, right? In this modern age, where people are like are just playing on their computers or their consoles or their phone, yeah. the fact that we still collect actual pieces of physical cardboard and put them on a table next to each other in a room full of a thousand people that's ridiculous. <laughs> when you actually think about the mechanics, yeah, of yeah, magic absolutely. Card. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent there. Like it's 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 yeah absurd that. Like in you know, it's 2018. People are like sat at home with like VR headsets on and stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to go down to a basement at a shop and move some bits of cardboard around on a table with like exactly. a bunch of other people, like face to face human interaction, like in 2018. Think, yeah, that's the thing. Like I enjoy that, and I'm, I like. I, I, it feels like they, they are trying to phase that out, and I think that might be a problem with the game. Like I think yeah. it's like you were saying earlier, like the part of the, the identity crisis with the game is that they they sense that they don't want to do that. They want to be part of this like esports world. They want to be Hearthstone. They want to be like like League of Legends. They yeah. they want to inhabit that market because it's profitable. But like they're not they're not banking on the things that are already um, in their favor. Yeah, like, that, that's it. I, I guess that that's it. Really, like they they want to be a part of this market. But they don't actually make a, make a product within that market, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe that is. Maybe that is. I mean, it feels really sort of pessimistic to say it, but maybe that is just the future of magic. Yeah, and that's a, that's a real shame because like yeah. people still play it. Like people still turn up to like GPs get more and more popular every year. Yeah, and I think that's because side events and stuff. But people still want to play with actual magic cards. Like people still get excited about opening foils. And people yeah. still want to like pimp out their necks and actually ha- like having a physical thing like people still want to do it i'm not going to go into why that's true because that's a different show <laughs> but like the fact that that is still true should be a massive driving factor on how what's he operates yeah and it, it it absolutely is as well like i know you you kind of like see things and read things and hear things from like certain content creators online talking about like gp attendances going down and vendors you know vendors are dropping off the gp circuit and all that kind of thing and mm. while i think the, the number of vendors certainly is in decline 
I really don't think the the number of people attending it GPs are in decline, and nope. I would say they probably are growing. The amount I mean. of people that are playing in the main event might be declining, absolutely. But if you know if it's not going to be worth your time and money to play in, in the GP main event, then why would you want to? Why not just turn up with a bunch of friends, go hang out like it's a big convention for the day, jam some games of Commander on the side, like. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what I do, and like yeah. that's what we that's what we have over these games. So like, big Hearthstone events are people go sit in the stadium and watch them play on massive screens, right? Yeah. Like that's what Hearthstone tournaments are. Magic tournaments are. Maybe you can go and watch them, like go watch the feature match area and stuff. But you get to just it's just it's a festival of magic, right? Like it's a convention. Yeah. Um, like nearly every weekend of the year, in some part of the world, there's like a magic convention going on where people are like drafting and playing Commander and doing cosplay and like doing all these things, and they get to go to this event and engage with their physical hobby like yeah. they don't just get to you go to a, like i've never been to a hearthstone tournament but you go there and i imagine you don't play a lot of hearthstone like you but whereas magic you can you, you go to these gps and that's what we have that's the that's the community that's why this game is successful because you have like places you can go where anyone can play regardless of what they want to play yeah and you can play commando and you can play we'll get onto it in a second brawl and you, <laughs> you can you can draft and you can like go and buy singles and you can and you can at the <sighs> same time you can play you know in an old school championship or you could play like Canadian Highlander or whatever you like there's so many options you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want to do within the game but at the end of the day it is still people just playing with bits of cardboard exactly and the fact that that's still viable in like in 2018 is like something to think about something yeah. to focus on for, for obviously something is you know there's there's something that does appeal to people about still using like such an archaic method of entertainment when we have so many alternatives available yeah, like that's all I want so to do. So why, like, yeah, why wouldn't you want to focus on that as opposed to trying to tap into this market that you're not a part of? Yep, uh, I think that's a problem. <clears throat> I mean, we could talk about this all day. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. One of my things as well is like the way that they've, um, the way that they're printing magic cards currently, and I think there's a certain emphasis on designing cards for brawl. Yeah, not for brawl. Sorry, for arena. Yeah. Um. And like that sort of changes how cards work. Like you can't make them as complex before because Arena is like quite a primitive program in, compar- in comparison to like Magic, yeah. Like Magic and its history. Um, and I think there's certain there's certain things like so. I think Magic is perfectly accessible if you do it in the right way for a new player. Yeah, it's a complex game, and there's always more to discover. And I think that's one of the one of the enticing things about the game is that there's always like this stuff I'm learning every day, and I feel like I'm a relatively entrenched, knowledgeable player. Yeah. But there's ways there's ways to get into it, and I think that was fine as it was. But they've made they've been making like sort of subtle changes to actual designs of cards over the last like couple of years. Yeah, that have really started to sort of annoy me, and like they're trying to dumb it down. Yeah, um, and it's like people will play this game regardless of whether you try to make it palatable or easy for them. You need to work on your product like rather than like trying to work your product to to. I think it, 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 I guess it's sort of the opposite of what we were saying before like you need to entice people to play it yeah but I mean, this is going about the wrong way they're trying to entice people to play it by making the game sort of easier yeah to to like play at a base level so like there's a couple of examples of it specifically got like like cards from like exclusion mage yeah right from uh m19 which was mana war so it bounced a creature yeah so mana war you can bounce any creature yeah which means in certain situations there's play to it you can bounce your own creature for an effect like you've got etb triggers and stuff like that but there's play to it whereas exclusion mage was uh bounce a creature that your opponent controls yes why is that necessary like it's not broken to bounce your own creature most of the time it's a drawback but yeah. maybe you'll get to like cast a, a carbon that need to be trigger and you get to do some fun stuff and they're taking the depth out of the game 
like that there's there's much so exclusion mage and man of war 95 percent of the time will play exactly the same in the deck yeah you you could replace one in a cube with the other and they would play pretty much exactly the same but this corner case is that you learn about and you get to learn about the game and you think oh cool i didn't know that before that's something i didn't think about that's interesting and an exciting part of the game that i get to learn but you don't get to learn that anymore because it says bounce a creature your opponent controls you're like okay cool i get to do this exact effect and it works the same every time i don't get to have any play to cards yeah um, and it's similar with like like I, I talked about it like last week I think a week before like Rock Charger yeah, yeah where it's just a reprint of Pegasus Corsa but they've w- worded it in like the worst way possible <laughs> like so instead of saying target creature against like because it's things you get to learn you get to you, I think part of the part of the enjoyment of magic is you get to gra- you get to learn these things and grasp them like you you feel a sense of accomplishment when you work out how things work yeah I think that's one of the massive draws to magic is you get to like oh sweet I worked that out. But when Rock Charger says whenever Rock Charger attacks, target attacking creature without flying gains flying until end of turn, that's ridiculous. It's like instead of saying so, it so feels think, very strange in this kind of like you know modern era of magic design to have that wording on a card. Like that that seems like something that would be on like an alpha card or a beta card. Like yeah. target attacking creature without flying gains flying until end of turn. Yeah, like that's the thing. You, you can't mess this up. Like if no. you attack with this creature, you cannot mess up the way the trigger works. Yeah. And that's not what magic's about. Magic is about like learning things. And like, so Pegasus course, so target creature gains flying. Target attacking creature gains. like. So oh, this creature already has flying. Can I still do that? Yes, you can because like, and you learn about the game. This doesn't teach you anything about the game. It yeah. teaches you how exactly Rock Charger works. Yeah, right? definitely. And it, it, yeah, like it, it, it just does. It reminds me of like, reminds me of Alpha or Beta. Like, it's just very odd. Like, yeah, for, yeah, for, for example, like, yeah, so Rock Charger. Never rock charger attacks, target attacking creature without flying, gains flying until end of turn. Then read that alongside animate wall from beta. Target wall can now attack. Target wall's power and toughness are unchanged, even if its power is zero. Exactly. We've, we've, we've moved 25 years on, we know that's not necessary anymore. Yeah. We understand how cards work. So when it, if it was to say when rock charger attacks, target creature, target attacking creature, gains flying until end of turn. Yeah. We know how that works. We like You don't have to be spoon-fed these things. Yeah, compare that to... You know, going back to Animate Wall, com- compare Animate Wall to the 6th edition Animate Wall, which is Enchanted Creature can attack as though it weren't a wall. Yeah, you get to learn these things, you get to yeah. understand them, and that, that, that later in. So, when you see a card that does a similar thing, um, so with like a card like Rock Charger, like if you, if you, if you saw a card that said, um, Target Creature gets plus, plus 2 plus 0, you'd understand how it works. Like, it doesn't have to say, Target creature that doesn't have plus two plus zero gets plus two plus zero, yeah. so it can attack for more depth. Like that's ridiculous. Like you don't need those things, and I think that's part of one of the draws of magic: the depth of the game. And it's just—it's really annoyed me how they've just made these subtle changes to cards. It feels and quite strange as well to... having this in a Ravnica set, when whereas they've printed Pegasus Corsa in the core set. Yeah, it's like, like if you're going to give like... that that wording to a card, why not just done it in the core set? Yeah, like where where they typically put reminder text on cards. Yeah, yeah. Like like detailed reminder text. Yeah, um, like I own a Stormcrow from Portal that has reminder text for flying on it. That's it's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 shoot, that like that that was the point of Portal, right? Yeah, it was meant to be like a, a dumbed down sort of newbie set. Yeah, and I'm not saying that in a disparaging way. I think that's good, but I think like when you just like it's an uncommon in a set that it's clearly a draft card. Like I don't know, like it doesn't. If you had a base knowledge of Magic you would understand what giving a creature flying meant. But you're like, oh, but it already has flying. It's like, that's fine, but it still has flying. You've just, you've resolved a trigger and that's how triggers work and that's what you can do. And we don't get that with that. Yeah. It has to be a creature without flying. 
Um, and I just think that's, that 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 sort of that sort of idea is really really bad for the game. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Um, and I just it's just stuff like that's really really annoying me. Yeah, again, I th- I think that goes back to your point of designing cards for for arena. I think that's what that does. Like, mm-hmm. yep, because when you crazy. yeah when you go to combat in arena, it'll go it'll, you know, whatever the software is doing in the background. It'll go. It'll look for the the cards were flying so it no it, it won't have to I mean I'm not sure how the arena program works but let's say it doesn't bring up it doesn't highlight the cards were flying so it makes it easier to click on things or whatever mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's it's that's bad it's just hand holding that isn't necessary and hasn't been necessary for you know 20, 20 years 25 yeah. years this isn't, this isn't how you get people to play Magic. You don't get people to play Magic by making your cards easier to understand. Yeah. Because they're already as like, streamlined and easier to understand as they can be. That's um, the point of the core sets. Yeah. That they brought um, back specifically because they wanted a, a product for newer players. Yep. Uh, and we, we know, like, there's so many things. Like, like, the fact they called it M19, despite the fact they released it halfway through 2018, it's so that people, when they walk through a game store, will see 19 in 19 and think, oh, that's definitely the brand new set. Yeah. Whereas if you called it 18 and you were in February next year, you'd be like, well, that's the old set. I'm not particularly interested. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll wait till the next one comes out or whatever. Exactly. Stuff like that. And it's stuff they're conscious of, but they're they're unwilling to promote their game. And it goes back to the whole conversation we've just spent, I imagine, like 70 minutes talking about. (laughs) It's the fact that they don't know how to promote their game. Like That's not how you make the game more accessible and more popular. It's not by dumbing down your cards. Yeah. I just think it's a really bad precedent to set for... For the game in particular, I would agree definitely. Um, but yeah, I think you know we we're trying out this new format for the podcast. Like, I, it feels a bit weird this being like the first episode because we have been sort of so negative. But mm-hmm. I think it all it all it all comes from a place of love. I think really, Absolutely. like, this is the thing. like the only reason we're saying all these yeah. things is because we want magic to succeed and we want it to carry on and like go for another twenty five years. And I think it can do, but. I think there's certain things they're doing that are like going the opposite direction of where they want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, especially the things that affect local game stores and affect people playing actual physical magic. I think, you know, if it does go, that's going to be real a real loss for the game, and that's something mm-hmm. that I I personally don't want to see happen. No, and it's like like there's a reason. I continue to play this game because I've I've you know I've cultivated a community. I've got friends, and I wouldn't. I've got friends that ex. Like we are specifically friends because we play Magic the Gathering together. Yeah, definitely. And like I think, I mean, me and you are both friends specifically because we're, we're so invested in Magic the Gathering. Gathering. Yeah. Um, and that that comes with like sending photos of sweet foils we've got, or like you know, like talking about packs we've opened. It's not just like, oh, I played this good game on Moda. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said for actual physical Magic, and like, oh, there's a lot of good things about it, and it seems like they're trying to deviate from that. Like, yeah. Deviate from things that have worked for you know the last 20 years um, because they're scared of the, the capacitors yeah like I flirted with Hearthstone right like and I don't care because magic is superior to it yeah and I, I, I firmly believe that if more Hearthstone players were introduced to magic they'd probably make a switch or at least play magic more than they do yeah definitely and I, I can't think of many people who play magic who've played magic who go to Hearthstone and stick with Hearthstone like, I mean um, Brian Kibler yeah, that's because they weren't paying him. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, an ex- that's an excellent example of what we've been talking about. Yeah. They, they like Brian Kibler makes a crap ton of magic money off uh, Hearthstone, oh, where he didn't yeah. make any money off Magic. Yeah. That's why he switched play, despite the fact I guarantee he enjoyed playing Magic more. Oh yeah, but it's more profitable and more 
beneficial to his lifestyle and to his income to play Hearthstone. Yeah. Despite the fact that Magic's a much better game. Yeah. That he was one of the best people at. Yeah. God. I mean, this is very on brand for me as a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just whinging about Magic. Sure, the time. sure. Um, yeah, if you want to see more of this, follow me on Facebook. <laughs> like, I, this is all I do on Facebook pages. It's whinge and whinge and whinge. I still love Magic, though. And that's like, like you said, like it's coming from a place of love. Like we want it to do well. We want Magic to be amazing. Yeah, to continue to be amazing. Definitely. And, yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree there. Like we, we do love the game. Mm. You know, more than most things in life, I think, to be honest. And uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think it was like like my partner, uh, animals magic and then literally anything else is like so many tears below that <laughs> yeah i think i think like food's probably in there for me as well somewhere I, if, if i had to choose between magic and food like it's like, yeah it's i mean like, i've, I've made like, that decision yeah <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Like, oh god there's so many things to talk about but you know you know what i mean like sure. so if you if it was a situation where like you got to eat whatever you wanted or you got to play magic but had to eat purely for sustenance so you just ate like oats and rice forever i like i i'd without a doubt pick magic yeah, like you know, it, it's it's bizarre that it's even a thing that a human being would consider. But yeah, I've mm-hmm. made that. I've made that decision, decision consciously. Absolutely, like, well, I need to afford to play this tournament or to go to this GP and stuff, so I can't really afford to eat. Or like, you know, like literally, I've been so in, like loads of different things. Like, I've been so obsessed with magic that other things have fallen by the wayside. Yeah. And that's sort of sad and depressing, and sort of the archetypal <laughs> magic player, which you imagine like sitting in their basement dungeon. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's just proof of how how good and how good the game is. Yeah, and why it's upsetting that they they seem to be letting things like that fall by the wayside. <sighs> so on that lovely note, <laughs> yeah. So I think really that probably is about all we have time for this week. Um, so we are sort of changing up the way we do things a bit, and we're going to create sort of more content like this like not necessarily as negative as this but just have have more debate and discussion about just the state of, of some things in general rather than just like let's do this formulaic thing every single week and do a bit about mm-hmm. this and a bit about this i think if we if we sort of focused our efforts you know uh, efforts a bit more on specific topics i think we'll be able to generate some pretty interesting conversations yeah, and I mean, there's going to be negativity because one, I'm involved, <laughs> and two, we're called Hour of Devastation, so it has to be like devastating, right? Sure, sure. Like, well, if what's listening to this podcast, they can be devastated about what we said. Yeah, I mean, uh, I am currently banned from the uh, the Magic uh, t- official Twitch channel, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Uh, I I said circling it around nicely. So yeah. I, I this weekend just gone, I, I received a, a permanent ban from the Magic the Gathering official Twitch chat for <laughs> typing out the phrase it's a shame it's taken Jerry Thompson to take a stand for what's you to admit there is a problem Jesus yep. you got banned I got banned yeah uh, god that says a lot about the way things work at Wizards of the Coast doesn't yeah. it yeah it does <sighs> yeah. okay Oh, so that's hilarious. That's, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a conversation for another time, definitely. But, uh, as an anecdote, yeah. that's great. Yeah, as a, as a, as an end, nice end step story there. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I, I, magic hates me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. The game, the game I love doesn't want me doesn't want me to take part in conversations on their official channel. And yet, you still want to play every week. Yeah, absolutely. And you still want to you still want to make a literal podcast about it. And... Yeah. Yeah. Oh God! I could talk. I could honestly talk for hours about this subject. That's true. But uh, yeah, once again, we are approaching the second hour. The Godfire has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. <laughs> <laughs>